Welcome to Talk Tech. Sponsor of this episode is OctaFX, a global trading platform. Welcome to Metaverse, and you all know that Metaverse is the buzzword on the internet right now. And uh, some of you love to jump on trends, and some of you love to make trends, and some of you love to confuse trends. But this is what this episode is about. This podcast is going to be in several segments that is going to cover where the internet is right now, um, introduction of metaverse, advantages of metaverse, the jobs that metaverse will create, the currency of exchange, and as well, the cons of metaverse. My name is Femi Heights, and welcome to the Bright Side of Life. Welcome to Talk Tech. goal of the internet from inception was all about information sharing. Simple. I have a content. I wanted to access my content somewhere else. I needed something to be the bridge between where I am and when the content will be available at. And that is the old internet or the web 1.0. So putting content online for people to see simply was the purpose of the first uh, internet. Then we moved over to more interactions. Now I could see, but I needed to be able to edit. I needed to be able to at least um, interact with the contents online. And that is where blogs came in, social media came in. Why? Because we needed to at least interact with the data that we see. So when you read the blog, you want to leave a comment, you want to leave a reply. And if you're on social media, you want to connect, you want to uh, share what is on your mind or you want to share what is happening. But Web 1.0 and 2.0 not only evolved, but this also brought about its challenges. And one of the biggest challenges is centered around data being stored in a centralized location. You all know that as databases, uh, some of you know it as servers, some of you know it as clouds. So we have my data, an intermediary that stores that data, and whenever I need that data, the intermediary makes the data available back to me or back to another party that needs to see that information. And the concept of data is that if you know where it's being kept, then it is easy to target those locations. So knowing that data is centralized increases the chances of such data to be breached, stolen, or manipulated. So Web 2.0 is gradually becoming a tech of the past and the introduction of Web 3.0, which will address the major challenges. Now, note that Web 3.0 is not where the internet actually stops. There's Web 4.0, Web 5.0, Web 6.0, and arguably Web 7.0. But currently now, Web 3.0 will address two major issues, data security and privacy. 
this is possible as data is available anywhere and everywhere. So data is decentralized or you say data decentralization. Now, the pioneer of Web 3.0 is arguably Bitcoin, which runs on blockchain. So simply, we would say blockchain is the pioneer of Web 3.0. Arguably, I said, because a lot of people would want to contest that, a decentralized system is what we all know blockchain as. So Web 3.0, like 2.0, is still functioning in the web interaction space. But this time around, it comes with a more immersive experience and interaction with data itself. Now, I said Web 1.0 was just put your data online for people to see, right? Web 2.0 is just uh, put the data there, let's interact with the data. So you click, you click, you click, you comment, you drop a like and all of that. But Web 3.0 is more immersive because rather than working with the data you become part of the data that is why i say it is more immersive so data will be better organized while giving a user maximum control using advanced technology such as cryptography uh, data is protected as it moves and uh, cryptography ensures that data cannot be manipulated when operated in a public blockchain with more advancements the user communicates directly rather than communicating through data centers which acts as the man in the middle or the middleman now does this actually ring a bell yes it does <laughs> cookies or flock federated learning of quotes will be less of a concern as users can now grant or block access to their data you have more control of your data. And also I mentioned blockchain and you know that blockchain is private and public. Just the way we have the public ledger system, which is what a lot of cryptocurrencies are running on. And we have the private, which Hyperledger fabric runs on like the eNaira and several uh, central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. But technology also provides the government control. So when we look at it from the fact that the user gains control there is no system where the user should totally be in control if not there wouldn't be a government technology provides the government control through implementation of private ledger as seen in the hyperledger fabric blockchain architecture are you seeing this in era like i said in the in era podcast one of the greatest things or one of the biggest things the government wants to have control over is resources and data there is no government that doesn't want to control resources and data because that is why they are in authority in the first place are we going to see a lot of let's just make the user in control there is no regulation there's no rule there's no restriction Yes, there is a control, there's the immersion, there is the interaction with data in a raw form, but there's still going to be regulations, and that is where some form of control comes in in Web 3.0. So let me recap. Web 1.0, data seen but not interacted with. Web 2.0, data being interacted with but on a peripheral level. Web 3.0 is data being in an immersive form for the user to communicate 
directly. So in summary, Web 3.0 will make data available everywhere and access to data is possible on any device. And Web 3.0 is going to usher the Internet of Things. Now, the second is reduce data breaches. Like I said, Web 3.0 will address some issues on the Web 2.0 architecture. Now, reduces or eliminates the need for a middleman. Like I said, reduces or eliminates because Web 3.0 is not going to jump on us. It is going to be unraveled in packets. As the technology gets better, as we progress, as we evolve, uh, it will determine is there a middleman because if you look at the um, public blockchain ledger, you find out that there is no centralized system. Data is constantly moving through blocks, means that nobody can claim full ownership of this data while this data still remains secured as it moves from blocks to blocks. It's going to lead to more immersive experience or interaction with data like I mentioned. So look at all of what I have said now and look at it from the angle that at the end of the day, what happens to your data has been one of the biggest controversies or should I say one of the biggest foundation of the term privacy. I'll be right back. Let's take the short break from our sponsor. Now let's take a short break to tell you more about OctaFX, a reliable global trading platform with 10 years of experience. OctaFX has two applications that allow you to increase your income anywhere with just a computer or phone. One is the OctaFX trading app, an official forex trading tool allowing for both deposit and withdrawal of funds to control all your trades. And two is OctaFX copy trading for those who do not have enough time to learn but are willing to increase their income income by trusting the professionals. Here you can simply start following experienced traders and copy their trades. You can also check out Risk Score, the new OctaFX key feature which shows the level of risk the investor is taking. This is to help decrease the chance of losing your investments. Sounds cool, right? Check out the caption to learn more. And it's back to TalkTech Podcast. The future is now. Now we're still talking Web 3.0 and uh, there's so many things that is possible on Web 3.0 but because this podcast will be in the series of the metaverse, I am still going to talk about the Facebook changing its holding company from Facebook to Meta with a, a brand ticker of MVRS which is metaverse. Uh, but now let us focus on what is metaverse. This is one of the benefits of Web 3.0. Now, Web 4.0 is going to bring into deeper semantics, uh, brain-machine interface, and all of that, which I'm still going to talk about. Metaverse. In 1992, Neil Stevenson coined the term Metaverse in his novel, Snow Crash, where it referred to Metaverse as a world where people can be represented by their avatars in a three-dimensional space. If you've seen the movie Ready Player One, you've seen the movie Matrix, you've seen the movie Avatar. Now, 
a lot of people give those examples, but they are a little bit different. Now, I want you to see Avatar and Matrix as in one quadrant and also Ready Player One in another quadrant. Now, they are both metaverses when we're looking at it, but when you look at one being the use of a VR headset and the other is actually a machine connected directly uh, to the brain, then it rings a bell, right? Is that the things that will be possible in the future, especially when we get to Web 4.0, is going to be Neuralink, the brain-machine interface. Just hold that thought, right? So I'm still going to come to that because it is an interesting universe that we are moving to. William Bonds III uh, defines Metaverse as a collective virtual shared space created by the convergence of virtually enhanced physical reality and physically persistent virtual space, including the sum of all virtual worlds, augmented reality, and the internet. In simple words, <laughs> Williams just says the metaverse is a sum of VR, which is virtual reality, augmented reality powered by the internet. So what is metaverse? Let's look at the word and break it into meta and verse. Meta means beyond, something out of this world, out of this planet. You could use any term. And verse is broken out of the world, uh, universe. So we have meta as the prefix and we have verse as the suffix. Metaverse literally has become an internet buzzword, like I said, a term used in referring to the future of the internet, starting with web 3.0 or point zero that I already mentioned. Now, the metaverse will open the internet to an infinite possible outcomes of opportunities. And I'm going to break this down in ways that you'll be able to understand the limitless possibilities of the metaverse. So just like in our real world, like you go to work, you come back, you go to school and all of that. So in a country, you have states. In states, you have lands. On lands, you have houses. Then you have rooms and so on and so forth. <laughs> so look at the metaverse. The same thing that happens in the real world where we have lands, physical lands and countries and states, the metaverse allows for creation of similar spaces, but in the virtual world. So look at it as an online space, <laughs> not like a website, right? It's an online space that you are not just seeing like Web 1.0. You are not just clicking as Web 2.0. You are in that space as in Web 3.0. So in this space, people or users or characters or avatars can interact in a more immersive way. So imagine visiting a website. You can watch, which is a movie. You can listen, which is audio. You can participate in surveys, um, read blogs, and also drop your comments. So Metaverse allows you to become part and parcel of the data by converting your physical appearance into an avatar 
or a digital you. Now, there is that controversy where people say digital you. Yes. In that space, I can use an avatar that looks like me. But because of the digital e-commerce that is going to come powered in the virtual uh, space, it is possible that I may choose to buy another avatar that could bear my name, but maybe have the face of a lion or the body of a robot. There's so much benefits. It's just like saying you are playing a game, then you can buy more guns, you can change your shoes, you can change your shirt, you can change your hair. That is how the virtual space will be. So like I said, a digital you is relative. You could be wearing the face of an animal or a robot. If you have seen the video from uh, the possibilities of the metaverse as introduced by Mark Zuckerberg at the Facebook Connect, where Meta is announced to be the holding company housing Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, and every other company that Mark Zuckerberg, or should I say Facebook, has acquired in the past decade, which is over 90 companies in the past decade. Going back to that virtual world, right? I said you can have a digital copy of you or your digital you. Sounds cool, right? Digital you, D-Y. So let's look for DX, right? <laughs> so uh, you become part and parcel of that data. Your physical appearances, your voice can be in the virtual spaces. So it's not just your picture. There will be hand interactions. There will be voice controls. And you'll be able to at least work directly with data. So more like becoming the character in the video game. Look at a video game, then look at that character, then use your game controls, right? You use the pad to control the various characters. But this time around, there is nobody controlling that pad. You are the one actually in the game. So your hand interactions in real life, your hand gestures, your voice is everything that will be used in the virtual space. Now, how this will roll out, there is no model here. There's no business model because this is just an industry that is bursting forth right now. And no company can actually tell you that this is the best model for actualizing the metaverse or for running the metaverse or for becoming the giant in the metaverse. So I see a lot of companies will try their hands on several things, several models, try, fail, acquire some startups just to put themselves in front and we have companies like um, alphabet alphabet is the holding company of google we have apple working on mixed reality which is a mixture of vro and ar vr means virtual reality and ar means augmented reality and we have microsoft <laughs> that is also working on their own uh, virtual reality headset and Facebook as well or now Meta acquired Oculus so this will embody some of the things that Metaverse will be bringing to the table. How then can we collapse this digital space into the real space? This is possible with the help of the VRO and ARO technologies, virtual reality and augmented reality. That makes a lot of sense because number one, there is no how we can just jump into the game. We cannot yet compress our matter into ones and zeros. You cannot compress a human being into a game form. Yeah, we've seen it in movies where we teleport. That is movies. Would that be possible maybe in web 12.0? Maybe yes. But for now, we need a medium 
that would take us into that virtual space. And the best bet for us right now is ARO and VRO headsets. Now, although there are advancements in technology that will make Neuralink transfer our consciousness into the game. If you're head of Neuralink, the BMI brain machine interface that seeks to provide some motor functions for uh, some disabled persons under the umbrella of um, Elon Musk, one of his companies, you realize that, yes, this is possible because this is technology that was used in the Matrix where we transfer our consciousness into the virtual world. But what's the difference? In the movies, when you transfer your consciousness into the digital world, whatever happens to you in the digital world happens to you in the real world. But with VR headsets uh, and uh, AR glasses, it is possible for you to be here and be there. So you can still be here in the real world, right? And still interact with your friends in the digital space. So consider Oculus, for example. Oculus is a company that was, you know, acquired by Facebook, now Meta. And we also have Project Cambria, which is another kind of headset, a VR headset from Meta. And as well, Project Nazare, which uh, is a much simplified AR glasses. Now, I think that um, the partnership between Meta, or formerly Facebook, and Exilon Lusotica, which is Ray-Ban, to release the Ray-Ban stories, would chart the future for Project Nazare. And I believe that this is really cool. The essence of AR glasses is not just to put us in the digital space, it's also for it to be comfortable while we do that. Now, a lot of people may not vibe to VR headsets because this is more immersive and it means that you are literally doing that thing at that time. But with AR glasses, you can be in a meeting and still interact with the digital world. You are more aware of the physical world when you are using an augmented reality because it is just to augment and not to move you completely into the digital world like the virtual reality headsets. So in the meantime, Ray-Ban Stories uh, will actually chat, more like give us a blueprint on what this looks like. And trust me, most companies will jump on this. Google may revisit their glasses all over again. And Apple is going to maybe accelerate rolling out their own mixed reality glasses. And we have Microsoft simplifying their own VR headsets to make it at least more compact and more usable because you really do not want to carry that into a hall or moving on the streets. What is the difference between metaverse and teleportation? That is one question a tech friend asked me. Now, teleportation and metaverse are not really different. Now, but when we hear of teleportation in the movies, it means that we literally jumped our dimension into another dimension. Like we we moved our entire matter from point A to point B. That's teleportation. But in the metaverse, it is still teleportation. But this time around, you are only teleporting your virtual presence to another location. You are not teleporting your entire matter. Because for you to compress matter and transfer it at the speed of whatever, through another dimension, it is going to be mystical 
and is going to remain in the movie state for now. My name is Femi Greater Heights, and if you have been able to gain something from this episode, kindly share the link with your friends and your families. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Peace.